Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training, A Constructional Guide to Becoming Your Horse's Best Friend, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. This is part two of a conversation Dominique and I recorded on December 28th, 2023. We were in a year-end mood, which meant we began our conversation by looking back over a year of podcasts. We had just finished up several head-spinning topics with conversations with Anita Snay about the Feldenkrais work, with Joe Lang on public and private events, and then with Michaela Hempen on assessing animal welfare. We were both feeling the need for a topic about more practical training applications. Dominique chose the trick training chapter from my book, Modern Horse Training, as a good focus for a lively conversation. In part one, we began with a discussion of the many benefits of trick training. We talked about why even serious trainers should consider trick training. And I would say I fall into this category of being what I would call a serious trainer. You know, and I tend to think of trick training as enrichment. I don't teach tricks to amuse other people. I teach them to amuse my horses. In this episode, we talk about a sneaky way to introduce a wide variety of tricks that easily morph into very practical husbandry training. What I like about the target tricks is to begin them in what I would call a small and sneaky way. So it it really begins with the what is referred to as the line of trash lesson. Mm-hmm. And what that means simply is you gather up a lot of stuff. You know, you look around your barn, your garage, your house, and you you find stuff that would be novel for your horse to interact with some objects that would your horse would be familiar with. They should be things that are horse safe. So, you know, no knives, nothing, nothing sharp that are dangerous that are, uh, could create an injury for you or your horse. But, you know, um, vacuum cleaner, umbrellas, uh, big beach balls, washcloths, paper towels, uh, empty water bottles. You know, the list goes on and on, lids off of supplement containers. You think about all the, you know, sort of envision your tack room. And for some people, the tack room is sort of like a, an old attic and other people it's neat and tidy, but you just, you just get a whole lot of stuff and you look at it. And some of these items will be very easy for your horse to interact with. A washcloth is probably Fairly straightforward, not scary for most horses. I mean, there will be some horses that say, ooh, not not for me. But for the most part, if you brought a washcloth out, your horse would be fine if you uh, handled him with the washcloth. Whereas a length of garden hose for some horses would be very terrifying. Mm. And so you separate out, you take the easy things and you kind of put them in one pile. You take the things that would be novel that he might be a little, oh, what's that? But 
not really worried by, and you put them in another pile. And then the things that really worry him, you set aside for now. So a dose syringe for a horse that does not want anything to do with wormers, I would put the dose syringe in the third pile. I'm not mm -hmm. going to deal with it now. I'll begin with the washcloth or maybe the having him target an empty water bottle. But you think of a washcloth and you think of all the ways in which a horse could interact or that you could use a washcloth in the presence of a horse. And so this is really a challenge in creativity. So I'm sure everybody listening could come up with a couple of things. He could certainly target the washcloth with his nose. You could rub him over his body with the washcloth. But the question is, will he accept that washcloth over his entire body? Or would he be saying, well, you can, right, you can rub my shoulder, but I'm not letting that thing anywhere near my ears. Well, this becomes a really useful exercise to work on so that he, maybe you'll introduce body part targeting. So instead of taking the washcloth to his ear, he's now bringing his ear to the washcloth. You could have him stand on the washcloth so it becomes a foot target. You could hang it and on. You could bring with you on a trail ride if you need yes. it. Yes, absolutely. So now you need your horse to stand still while you move a branch that's fallen across the trail. So you throw your washcloth down on the ground. He steps on the washcloth. You know he's going to stay put while you do whatever it is that you need to, to do. Is that a trick behavior or a practical behavior? Or is it both? You could hang the washcloth on a fence and teach him to stand next to it as a stationary target. Or as you described, you could teach him to go out to the washcloth. If he's going from a distance to the washcloth, you could put a ground pole down. And so you're sending him to the washcloth, but he's going over the ground pole. And then the ground pole becomes a cross rail. So now he's going over a jump to get to the washcloth. So simple thing like a washcloth can expand beautifully. So then you get your next item and maybe the next item is a, a cone. It's a small, one of the small plastic cones. And there are a lot of things that he could do with the plastic cone that would be the same. So he could do body part targeting with a washcloth. He can do body part targeting with a plastic cone. So now you're generalizing the behavior over more objects, and that's useful. So just a little parenthesis on that, and you do that little warning in the book, because I know I did this with Woody, and took me a long time after that for him to discriminate when I know your horses discriminate very yes. well when a cone should be touched and mouthed because my game with him in the beginning was knock the cone down it was like a how do you say in English you know when you play knock a, it over yeah yeah I don't know the word in English but anyway knock it down so the game okay. was every cone should be knocked down oh my god that was so bad. <laughs> Yeah. But see, this this is the point about tricks. So with every behavior you teach, you want to think, what is the future of this behavior? Yes. 
I really regretted that one because now when whenever it took a long time, every yeah. time I would put cones down to make a launching thing or he would knock them down and he thought was he loved it. Yeah. So so, he, so this is this is the whole point of trick training is you want to think about what is the future of this behavior. So if I want to use cones as markers, say I want to use a cone circle that you go around, maybe I don't want to use the cone to teach my horse how to retrieve. You know, yeah. for, with my horses, I, I don't know why, but I never, I never had that as a problem. I mean, Robin, yeah. absolutely, when I'm setting out cones, he will retrieve the cone. And so I'm putting them down and he'll pick up a cone and walk over to me and hand me this cone with this. And he just, he does it in such a, I just, a charming way of, excuse me, Matt, and I think you dropped something. And, and of course I click and reinforce him, but it's part of the game. Um, can I set the cones out faster than he can retrieve them? And as soon as the full circle is set down, he stops let, retrieving. leave them alone. And then when we get all done, I have him pick up the cones and he'll retrieve them. Okay. And I just, I find it really fascinating that he has made this distinction. Hmm. But I absolutely recognize and have heard, you know, where for some horses, this is a struggle. So maybe you would say, all right, I'm going to teach my horse to retrieve, but I'm going to use a plastic dog toy. Yeah, and, definitely. And, <laughs> and, and I'm going to use that as my retrieve toy. You notice I didn't say, oh, and you could have your horse retrieve a washcloth because mm. I actually don't want my horses picking up washcloths because we might be putting fly spray or, you know, some other, some using it with some medicine or whatever it is. So I could mm. have a washcloth that's in my brush box that has had something on it that I don't really want in my horse's mouth. So mm. I'm not going to teach him to retrieve a washcloth but if I had say a plastic dog toy yeah he could do body part targeting will you bring your ear to this plastic dog toy yes click and, and reinforce so we've now we're generalizing the body part targeting to more so you know objects. one of the advantages for me of dog toys is that they squeak and yeah. so that's a great marker for me I know that he really has a good grip on it because yeah. he's and he likes to make the noise, Woody. He likes to really make it so weak. But in the beginning, it was for me the time to click because I knew he really, he had a firmer grip. So yep. that would be my clickable moment was when I heard the squeak. And it gets horses who might be a little timid about noises. environment. Yeah. So they get much bolder about environmental noises when mm -hmm. they're the ones making the noise. Mm. So it has has a lot of advantages. So you're you're taking each object. So you know you've you've worked with uh, the washcloth. You've worked with the dog toy. Now you get another object, and maybe it's oh, let's say it's the hose off a vacuum. And well, what could what could I do with a hose off a vacuum? Or let's let's not. Let's do a cardboard box. Cardboard boxes are great because we all have them. And so you get a reasonable size cardboard box. This time of year, most of us have, you know, we've had things arrive in the mail. And 
you you can the top and the bottom out of the cardboard box. So it it's instead of it being solid, it has a it's more like a a hoop or it's like a basket with a hole in the bottom. And you can easily teach a horse to put his nose down into the cardboard box. And you when you click, you can feed him through the hole that's in the bottom. And so now you have a horse who's putting his nose down into things. Well, mm -hmm. that's the start of teaching uh, a horse to come to a halter, to mm -hmm. come to a bridle. Blanketing, that's the start of, you know, when you have the over-the-head blankets, that's the start of over-the-head blankets. So is that is that a trick behavior or is that a practical behavior? Mm -hmm. So if I, if I hold a hula hoop up and my horse comes over and puts his head through the hula hoop so it's over his neck, well, that could be the start of teaching a horse to ride in a neck ring. Or it could be the start of the horse learning to pick up a hula hoop, flip it over his head, which is a trick behavior. Yeah. What's the difference? Many times when we've talked about constructional training, we've said to people, don't train the actual final behavior and the final uh, spot where you want this to happen. Right. While tricks are a great way to start a behavior, to start getting a behavior, no emotional baggage because it's something they have not been exposed to, punished around. So it's a great place to start more complex behaviors uh, that you want to construct. Think of, say you, you taught your horse to go to a washcloth that you've hung on a fence. And now you've put a raised platform in front of the washcloth. So your horse is now stepping up onto the raised platform and moving to the front of the platform to have his nose on the target. Mm -hmm. And then you get a couple of jump standards and some jump rails and you put them on either side of the platform and you send your horse from a distance onto that raised platform to the washcloth. What have I just described? Trailer loading. Because what a, what a great, what a fun way to, to get to uh, have your horse go onto a trailer. Oh, I just hang a washcloth in the front of the trailer and my horse goes right on. I mean, but that's, that's, you know, that's a really fun side benefit where you start off and you're saying, okay, it's the line of trash. And what could I have my horse do with the lid off a supplement container? We all have lids off of supplement containers. We all have supplement containers. So, you know, there are a lot of things that you could do that would be the same as the washcloth. So he can follow it. You could, you know, you could attach it to a broom or yeah, to the an old broom handle and he could follow it around. He you could have it over his head so he can stay underneath it. You could do body part targeting with it. You could have him stand on it. You could hang it on a fence. You could have him pick it up. You could turn him into a tennis net and you could use it like a frisbee where you toss it over his back to another friend, which is just getting him used to, you know, odd things happening in his environment where mm -hmm. his job 
is to stay on his mat and just go ho-hum, look at what these silly humans are doing. So you mm. just keep coming up with each object. Yes, there are a lot of things that I've already taught, you know, I've already done. My horse knows how to do body part targeting with a washcloth, but now instead of it being a washcloth, it's a large beach ball or it's it's a saddle or a saddle pad. And you've generalized so that when you get to the, in quotes, serious stuff, the component behaviors are, are there. And you basically were teaching them under the big umbrella label of trick training. Fun training. Fun so training. I'll get to the, the exercise I wanted to bring up. Oh, okay. So in your trash, in your line of trash, maybe there's a lawn chair. Oh, yes. Lawn chairs are fun. Because this one, I had never thought about that. You know, I saw this in the coaching sessions and how interesting it could become yeah. for performance work, actually, you know. So you want to talk about that one a little bit? So you have no, a lawn chair. Yes. So, so, so you do I'll let you describe it because there are a couple of variations. So which... Which variation? Well, so in the beginning, because the, when I saw it done, I saw it done with a mini horse. But I'm sure you can do it with a bigger horse, too. Yes. And probably more with the help of targets. But you're you're making use of mats and targets. Yeah. So that the horse is... So you, you arrive, let's say, behind the chair with your horse and you've placed a mat on the left side of the chair. You go sit in the chair and the horse will stop on the mat because he knows what to do when he sees a mat. And so he's kind of on your left side, kind of healing, if you like, yes. while you're sitting down. And in the book, in the chapter, you have all these different patterns that you can do. And there, there's a lot. So you could you could have the you have the horse starting to go around the chair. You can place another yeah. mat on the other side. So and you you could use at first a target, which you might fade eventually and just use your hand or even just your body changing position in the chair, because you're always sitting in the chair. Um Although you could stand up and go walk around and come back. But let's say we're sitting in the chair. Yeah. We're always sitting in the chair. And so we're using a mat in the beginning to have the horse just go around the chair. Then you could have the horse back around the chair. He can go one way, clockwise, counterclockwise. You can start putting cones in front so that there's a more intricate pattern where he could do a figure eight, for instance, and all the while you're sitting in your chair. And when we watched this, we were actually talking about lateral work. Yeah. Because you have all these turns happening in front of you. And gorgeous stimulus control in that particular video. Yeah. Gorgeous yeah. because, you know, at times the horse is doing a simple circle around you in the chair. And then as he comes up, instead of doing a simple circle, He's going out around the cone that's in front of him, doing a figure eight, changing direction. And it's uh, just really fun stimulus control. This, for me, this started with Panda. Oh. So she's a, she's a mini mini. And, and she it was the beginning of her guide work. So I was working on the, I was writing 
the step-by-step guide in pictures book. And Panda would come into the house in the morning and she would, she'd take a nap and then she'd start to interact with me a little bit. And, and I'm at my, I'm at the computer sitting in a chair, (laughs) trying to write a book and train a horse at the same time. And so if Panda came anywhere in my vicinity, initially, I would click and reinforce her. And then I gradually shifted the criterion so that she had to line herself up next to the chair. So she was in that sort of heel position orientation. Mm -hmm. And I would click and reinforce her. And then I built the duration of it. And that was really the foundation of her guide work. Mm -hmm. So you could say that all of her guide work grew out of panda learning to orient herself next to me in a chair. So in Mm -hmm. a way, it's very similar to Michelle Pouliot's platform work that she does with the dogs, where she Mm -hmm. she uses the platform as an orientation point for the dogs. So they learn standing to go up on the platform and to position, they're, they're learning a heel position orientation. With Panda, I was sitting in a chair and with the big horses, you know, you do have to put the caveat in that I would not do this without a lot of preparation with a big horse because it's for some, if they became a little, if they got a little too close or they bumped you with their head and you, you're sitting you know, down, you're, you're sitting vulnerable. down, they could, they could knock you, you over backwards in a mm-hmm. chair. And that, that could be unfortunate. So you might want to sit on, say, a sturdy wooden mounting block that yeah, isn't going to go in a lawn chair. Yeah. So with Rob and I was sitting in a lawn chair because he's, you know, we we built that over a period of time that that would be a safe, okay thing to do with him. But for many horses, big full-size horses, I would start with the sitting on a on a sturdy not going to be knocked over mountain block and we had so i i did a lot with panda with this orientation point and then in clinics i would occasionally have clinics where um, we had minis and almost always we i would work with the mini and and i'd be sitting in the chair maybe we were sitting at those times where we were all together as a group discussing various aspects of the training and and I'd have the horse's owner bring the horse out and I'd carry on the leading that conversation and while I'm also training the horse to orient next to me in the chair because it's such a useful behavior for minis and I remember at one clinic I had a a mini who was fairly young horse and we used one of those mechanic stools that's on wheels. And so we brought him out in the aisle and, and did a lot of training on the mechanics stool. And that is his person went on and really developed that and did a lot of using that concept to teach him the orientation work. And then we had a great, great, great clinic where it was all minis. I'd never had a clinic that was all minis. And, and I love playing with minis. They are so much fun. 
they are, I mean, they're just, they tend to be so smart and such great learners. And I just, I just love playing with minis. And I always have to be careful when we have just one or two minis in a clinic that I don't get carried away and spend <laughs> the entire day playing with the mini and go, oh, wait a minute. We had some full-sized horses and I don't, <laughs> I forgot about that. And, you know, you don't want to, the people with the full-size horses to be getting all huffy. Of, she never paid any attention to my horse. But we had a, a clinic that was all minis. And so we, one of the things that we, we did is we did a lot of work in the chairs, teaching this, this orientation behavior and then developing it further so we could, that we could send them out around a complex pattern and they would come back and orient it next to us in the chair. It was really fun. And the person you're referring to, that was Sonia with, with her mini Winsy, And she really developed that after the clinic and built that just gorgeous, gorgeous pattern behavior of Winsy going out and around and changing direction and coming up behind her, waiting by the side. It was just. But also, gorgeous. what was interesting was that we saw some video of how the this horse was turning in the beginning and how well, yes. how much better he was turning yes. and taking his shoulder out. He was not falling into the the turn anymore. He had really oh. learned to balance himself well while turning. Because there's a lot of repetition in turning here. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and because you're clicking, because you don't, you click a lot during a turn. Yeah. Because this this it's a small space, so you can really influence the way the horse turns. Because it's not just he's going to do an eight and I'm going to click at the eight at the end of the, the pattern. You click all the way during the pattern so you can really influence the way he's turning. It was interesting to see that because I had never thought of this as possibly a lateral work exercise, right? It was just a trick. But like we said, you know, it just carries over in all the other aspects of yeah. your training. Yeah. And when you combine it, so, you know, if you, if you did any of these behaviors in isolation, then maybe they would have a limited ripple effect. Mm. And so teaching a horse to orient next to you, next to your chair, if if you cherry pick that out, say you, you read Modern Horse Training and you said, okay, the trick chapter sounds really fun. I'm going to ignore all the rest of this, you know, where she's mm. talking about balance. <laughs> not interested, not interested. And you just cherry picked out a few little things. The ripple effect from that is going to be less mm -hmm. than if you really say, oh, I mean, that was kind of interesting. Now let me look at some of the other chapters and start using more of this work. So one of the things that we see in, in Lindsay is because she's also doing so, you know, she's really exploring lateral work and so on. And she's a yeah, very... Yeah, she does a lot of body work and proprioception yes. work with yeah. the big horse. He's, yeah. very thoughtful. It's not just the, the lawn chair. Yeah. Very thoughtful, very skilled trainer. Mm. 
and to see the change in how he is carrying himself over time is really impressive. So the lift up that he's getting, because he used a, a very normal common thing is for horses to walk along with their head and neck kind of below their withers. So they look kind of like men after a hard day's work, you know, they're mm-hmm. kind of just um, slumping along with their head really low and they're not lifting up. And he now has so much lift in his body. And this is a mini mini. So mm-hmm. this is not a horse that where we're, we're ever going to be riding him. Mm-hmm. But still this matters in terms of keeping him sound, keeping him comfortable in his body. So the enrichment part is, is important. The relationship part is top priority. And because the relationship part is top priority, so is his emotional and physical well-being. So all of this plays into that. There's there's another, you know, with the chair, another thing that, <clears throat> that I was doing with the chairs was so you have you you can teach horses to go around a circle of cones. And you set out your circle of cones, you have mats around the circle of cones. So the horse is going from mat to mat to mat around the circle of cones. And then you start to replace cones with um, those plastic lawn chairs that we all seem to accumulate. You know, we all have them, it seems. And so instead of it being a cone, you have a plastic armed lawn chair. So it's a different object that your horse is going by. And then you can add another plastic lawn chair so that now he's going between two plastic armchairs. And that's, so he's he's got a squeeze. So that's useful for trailering, for trail riding, you know, crossing through narrow spaces. There are lots of places where that kind of squeeze is useful. And then because it's easy to do, you could tie a balloon to the plastic chair. So now your horse is going past a balloon that's tied to a plastic chair and you can make the gap between the chairs narrower or wider. And and then you can tie multiple balloons to your plastic chair. And then you can make archways out of your plastic chairs and, you know, with pool noodles. And you can start adding all kinds of crazy stuff to the chairs. So pretty soon you, I mean, talk about your agility course, pretty soon you have a really impressive looking visual challenge for a horse and a horse is going, oh, this is fine. I'm Mm. cool with this. No problem. So you, you know, it's so easy when you start looking at it in that way to really expand these things out to make them increasingly complex, but never overwhelming to the horse. Yeah. And, and then you just, you just keep looking at your line of trash kind of thing and, and saying, okay, what can I add? What can I add into the mix until eventually you are getting to the pile of things that are more difficult. So now you've got your dose syringe. Well, your dose syringe 
he's he's generalized now. He knows how to retrieve. So you taught basic retrieving using the dog toy. And then you decided that it would be fun to have him learn how to paint. Talked about painting earlier. So you figured out a, and, and I've seen lots of versions of uh, paint brushes for horses. Um, and maybe you taught him to blow into a horn. So that's something else in his mouth. Yes, yes, that's something else in his mouth. So he can blow in a bicycle horn. He can, or hold a wooden spoon, something yes. as simple as that. That's right. So the wooden spoon, which then becomes a paintbrush, so he can paint. And and maybe you've done some other, you've done a lot of retrieving of various objects. So now you, and you've done body part targeting. So he's comfortable bringing his face towards your hand. So now you hold your dose syringe which is empty it does it has doesn't have the smell of anything of any awful medicine you know i i never thought of doing the empty syringe oh interesting never thought about that i've done the water with sugar i tried something recently because of you because you said to me try herbal teas yeah i started doing herbal teas the last time I did peppermint tea with a little bit of sugar in it, he loved it. Bonanza uh -huh. loved it. And so did I. I finished <laughs> it because it was really delicious. But I never thought about doing the empty one. You can always go back a step, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so and, and of course, an empty syringe will have plastic smells to it. Yeah. So it's not as though I do it because you know when right. because I'm doing the variety of taste right now. Yeah. I'm still in the safe zone. I'm not adding anything right now that is not as uh, tasty that has bad taste. But empty is another variety yeah. that I can do. Yeah. But the point is that the first thing that you say to a horse here, come and target this and put your mouth around it, is not a dose syringe. That by the time you get to the dose syringe, your horse is familiar with the general idea of, uh, of you hold something up to him, like a wooden spoon or the end of a paintbrush, whatever it is, and he's going to come over and put his mouth around it. And then you can put it so that, hold it so he's putting, he's bringing the side of his mouth which is how you would use a dose syringe. And so that by the time you get to the dose syringe, it's no longer that, ooh, this is deeply suspicious response. And so again, was this trick training or is it practical training? It's for, for some applications, you could say it's, it, we would call it strictly for enrichment. Painting, strictly for enrichment. Dose syringe falls under the medical care or the husbandry care. When you're teaching body part targeting and he's bringing his ear to a washcloth, well, that could be bringing his ear to a cotton ball because he's got sores in his ears in the summer from all the flies. So that quickly becomes uh, a husbandry behavior. Body part targeting of his eye to your hand. Very, very practical in terms of 
being able to apply eye drops during fly season. But even all of the following games, you know, that we talked about yeah. using a target that they follow in different patterns will have effects, I believe, in the leading. Yes. Now, I, I tend to be fairly, I want to be careful how I use targeting as a follow this target because you can get horses very much on the forehand doing that. Mm. Um, so you have to be you have to really be careful and assess what is the overall effect on these horses balance which is not to say that there is not a place for it and a role for it and particularly in the beginning stages while you and the horse are developing that connection where they will stay with you as you walk that targeting is not an important part of that. But I do want to be careful because you can become overly reliant on a target prop. And as the horse, you know, the horse is trying to get to that target prop mm -hmm. and it can distort their balance yeah, in yeah, ways I that see. are not useful. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, it's like everything you have to, you have to assess what is the what is the future of this behavior? What is the effect that it is having on this individual? Um, yeah, and the, the, the following targets, you probably fake them pretty soon in the process. You use them to get a behavior, a pattern, yeah. so they understand the pattern, but you'll probably be fading it out pretty soon. So yes. you won't, maybe won't have as much, because the idea is to get the behavior and for the horse to understand the pattern, whether it's weaving pole or whatever it is that you're trying to figure out or, but once you have that, you don't really need the target anymore. Right. You'll still have a cue, which might be your hand or whatever, right. but at least it won't have that effect of having him. And we, we want fall. to remember that, you know, one of the things in, in riding that you're hearing that you learn is you want the horse coming forward from behind. And particularly, I'm thinking of some of the uh, people who are fairly new to horses and they're doing a lot of groundwork and they're not yet involved, particularly in the riding, that it's very easy to get the horse to follow a single target. You know, you come forward You've got, you're holding a target stick. They're coming forward to that target. And it becomes a one-handed operation. Mm. And we want to say like in the single rein riding, we want to say single rein riding is not single hand riding. You slide down a lead rope with two hands. <laughs> and in the rope handling, the Tai Chi rope handling, you could say in a way that the lead rope guides you to two target point orientations. One yes. is near the snap by the halter, and the other is towards the horse's shoulder. And mm -hmm. those two orientation points really helps the horse to maintain better balance. So if you mm -hmm. only have one orientation point, it's easier for the horse to fall in, to fall onto his inside shoulder, to lose his balance. You we think about you know, lunging where the horse, the orientation point is 
the lunge line attached somewhere to the horse's, either, you know, the bottom underneath to the horse's halter or if he's in a cabison to ring him, but it's one point. Yes. And, and what, and, and you're asking often the youngest, most unbalanced, greenest horses to stay yeah. out on a circle and stay in balance with one orientation point. It's like, ah, could we at make speed. it any harder at, at speed. speed? So when you're leading and you give a horse two orientation points, here's, yes, I want you to come forward to my hand that's direct, that's inviting you forward. But I want to remind you with my other hand to stay up and over with your shoulder instead of falling in and crowding in on top of me so that you go around, up and around, maintaining good balance. So I have two orientation points. And yes. with the riding, you know, we want to remember that we want horses to come forward from behind. So when you're using targeting, there is in targeting, you can move towards a target. You can also move away from a target. Moving away from a target is not saying, oh, I'm afraid of that. I'm getting away from something aversive. There's a there's a bee over there and I'm making a beeline away from it. But no, it's can, keeping a distance from, from it. Right. And from so it. you can you can absolutely teach mm -hmm. positive reinforcement that yes. what I would like you to do is to move ahead of this target to mm -hmm. keep to keep an orientation ahead of yes. this uh and whether that target is my arm extended and and inviting the horse to move forward from behind or uh an actual prop um but to have the horse move forward and to uh, so you're you've got uh go forward away from target and then a come to target and yes. when you're working a horse at liberty it's particularly fun because in one moment your right hand may be directing the horse to move forward and up in front of you and then you're uh, going across the center of a circle and your send away hand transforms into uh, come towards me invitation hand and it becomes this beautiful beautiful I wish people dance. could see you while you're doing all these gestures they would yes. understand well they would you're... understand it right yes so it's you know it's it makes it more more useful more interesting than simply relying on that single target mm -hmm. for will you follow me as I as this target moves ahead of you. That mm -hmm. to get to a more interesting and useful dance, you want to bring your torso, the orientation of your torso, you want to bring your hands, both hands, your, you know, the whole body language becomes part of this dance. And there's mm -hmm. that invitation. And there's a so at one moment I may be inviting you to come towards me. And with one hand and sending you away with with another or inviting with both hands to come mm. towards me. It's all part of the dance, which 
you know, so the the line between what we would refer to as trick training and performance work becomes blurred really fast. Yes. So are you yes. teaching trick training or are you teaching lateral work? Yeah. What, One behavior can give you so many different outcomes. Yes. Yes. And well, I, I hope we have inspired people to try. I mean, we've we've suggested quite a few yes. behaviors, tricks, call it whatever. And I hope people try play it. with it, explore it, see what it gets them. Play with the waiting and see what that oh, gives yes. them. Yes. And you know, there are many there are many more suggestions sitting in the the in trick the training yeah. chapter it's, in modern. It's a, it's a fun chapter, but yeah. it's it's not just fun. I think it's, it's a useful chapter and definitely something that even serious writers. That's right. Benefit. That's right. And if you if you get dip your toe into that chapter and then you can start exploring all the rest and who knows where it will take you. So it's all it's all great fun. And it's as we're going into the new year and many of us depend on where you are in, on the planet but for many of us it's winter time it's a, a these are great winter time activities to play with when the ground is not all that great for other things you will love it your horses will love it so we'll just end by wishing everybody a winter time of great training fun and and happy new year happy new year yeah I hope we've inspired you to expand your trick training repertoire. My new book, Modern Horse Training, provides many more details on this topic, as do the online clinics. So go to my website, theclickercenter.com, to learn more. And while you're there, do visit the Bear Hollow Press section of my website. I have an exciting announcement to make. I'm about to release the second in the series of the Kenyan Bear books. The publication date is February 1, 2024. The new book is Edgar, the bear who wanted to be real. And February is just, it's the perfect time to bring out the new book because Edgar is a winter story. If you've read the first Kenyan Bear book, Teddy's to the Rescue, you know about the Shuttle Hill Herb Shop where the bears lived. Edgar was one of the teddy bears who was there to be adopted, but that's not what he wanted. He didn't want to be a teddy bear. He wanted to be a real bear. He didn't want to be cute and cuddly, and he didn't want to be picked up and hugged. So he created a lot of problems for the other bears in the shop because he used to hide under tables and he would growl at customers as they walked by. And Kenyon, who was in charge of all of the teddy bears, just couldn't, he just couldn't have that. So he decides that something has to be done. He comes up with a plan to show Edgar what being a real bear is all about. So what begins as a winter holiday, sledding down hills and roasting marshmallows around a campfire, turns into a nighttime adventure for Edgar when he's lost in a snowstorm. You can order Edgar through my website, theclickercenter.com. 
and after February 1, 2024, you can also get it from Amazon. If you have little ones to read to, the Kenyan Bear books make for perfect bedtime reading. And if you just enjoy children's books, well, it's a great book to have. The Kenyan Bear books are filled with magic and filled with lots of love, which is something that I think we all can use in these stressful times. I find children's books are just a perfect way to slip through the cracks, to go into the wardrobe, down the rabbit hole, however you want to think of it, and find yourself for a while in worlds that are filled with adventures, filled with heroic deeds, but also, at the end, come back to happy endings, something that I think we very much need in these stressful times. I'm terrible at marketing. I should be offering you all sorts of incentives to visit my website and to order the new book. And I should be telling you, you know, limited time only kinds of offers. But I really hate that kind of marketing. So I don't, I don't like having it done to me. So I'm not going to do it to you. I'll just say that the books are there. They are delightful. They're a wonderful read. And I really do hope that you order them, enjoy them, share them with the little ones in your life. The more you order them, the more that reinforces me and encourages me to bring out the next book in the Kenyan Bear series. So I'll leave it at that and just send you off to my website to learn more about the books. And I'll just end by saying, as always, train well and have fun with your horses. Bye.